Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young business leaders, welcome to the YBT Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to a bonus podcast. This is our August luncheon, and we had a fantastic speaker, uh, Alan Trimble. If you don't know who he is, Alan Trimble was the coach of the Jinx Trojans for 22 seasons and had a record of 242 wins. 41 losses with 13 state titles. Uh, and in that time, the Trojans only lost at home only eight times. That is a phenomenal record. And we had the opportunity to hear him speak directly to our audience. And I'm so excited to share it with you guys today. So let's tune in and listen to Coach Trimble's message to young business leaders. Well, thank you guys. It's certainly an honor to join you here today. I, uh, I see a lot of familiar faces. Uh, and a lot of successful faces. So I've been wrestling around with what to say to you guys, uh, especially after that introduction. You kind of stole all my notes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I just thought I would, I would share a few things. You know, we, um, all of us want to be successful uh, in whatever line of work that we do. And we want to be successful husbands. We want to be successful fathers. We want to be successful as, in our business. Uh, and uh, I thought I would just share a few things with you today that kind of, we talk about a little bit in our football program. Uh, so that's going to come in two or three parts. So I'll get around to that. So remember to remind me, let's talk about what, uh, how important using the correct scoreboard is. Okay, remind me of that in a minute because I want to get off. Uh, they mentioned that I got to go to the Hall of Fame banquet a week ago, last Monday night. Um, uh, I still haven't been able to get my mind around that. It's just uh, the idea that... Uh, Barry Switzer, uh, Pat Jones, Larry Coker, Steve Owens, all these Olympic gold medalists. I'm just like a kid at a candy store. I couldn't get over it. And then I got to thinking, you know, and, and I'm in this class. I'm, I'm with, you know, Todd Barry, the, the head of the coaches association is there. And then I got to thinking back to my childhood. I see there's maybe a few people that remember Sesame Street. Y'all watch Sesame Street. And... Um, that little part on Sesame Street where they do which of these things is not like the other. Do y'all remember that one? I'm looking around the table. I'm going, you know what? I might be the odd man out here. There were just so many cool people there. And, uh, but what an honor. And it gave me a chance to reflect back on, um, you know, just, what, 34 years? Uh, so since seventh grade at Cleveland Middle School, which has got to be like 1975, 1976, I have either played or coached football since then. This is my first fall since seventh grade that I will not either be on a team or be coaching a team. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful journey and a great opportunity to reflect back on some of the things that, that uh, football has taught me. And um, so let's go over a few of those, okay? Um, I'm going to say I was about 13, so probably seventh grade. My mom started me in kindergarten as a four-year-old. She got sick and tired of me being around the house and uh, 
got tired of, you know, having to spank my rear end every day. So I started kindergarten as a four-year-old, okay? So uh, about seventh grade, my dad raised bird dogs. My dad uh, loved to quail hunt, a uh, big outdoorsman, and I got the bug too. He bought me my first single-shot shotgun, which was a big deal, you know, when you're that, that age. But he had promised me that coming soon, I was going to get my own Browning automatic shotgun. That's a big step in the Trimble household, all right, to move from the single shot to the big, to the big league. And man, it was coming Christmas time, and uh, I was looking under the tree. I always scouted it out pretty early because we put the Christmas tree up right after Thanksgiving, and there was the long box. I saw it. I saw it. Long box, rectangular, you know. Matter of fact, when mom wasn't looking, I went over and I kind of picked it up really heavy. Probably had some ammo in it too because my dad had a 20 gauge. His dad had the 12. I knew mine was going to be the 16. I, I knew it was. The Browning 16, my, my gun of a lifetime. So we go on and on and on. It comes time. Everybody comes over to the Trimble house. There's my box. I open it up, and it's World Book Encyclopedias. All right? And I'm, I'm telling you, the disappointment, the shame, the, the, the pity party, I was disgusted that I got, you know, and, and uh, you know, those things back in the day were expensive. I mean, that for our family, that was a, and, and not that it has anything to do with the story, but I can't tell you how many book reports those things got me out of through my entire career as a, as a student. It was a great gift, but at the time, I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I'd, I had no gratitude because... It was all about me. It, it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I needed. And I completely just missed the, the fastball right down the middle of the plate of gracious giving and being thankful for what I had. Uh, and just to be honest with you, my dad was quick to remind me. Um, that's a kind way. I, I, it was worse than a reminder. But uh, I learned a valuable lesson that day um, that appears in the Purpose Driven Life book now. It's not about you. It's not about you, coach. So I learned a lot there. And um, throughout my career, you know, as a player and as a coach, uh, and I'm putting together another speech. I, I'm, I'm blessed uh, to get to do a few of these here lately, and especially now that I'm retired, I get to speak quite a bit. But uh, I'm putting together, uh, one of my other coaches has a video. Y'all remember when the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in the NBA World Championship, went out to uh, who they play? What's those? Who they play in the championship? Yeah, yeah, Golden State, and uh, and Golden State is awesome. You know, they've won two out of the last three World Championships. Uh, great talent, but also great chemistry. And here goes a LeBron James-led Cleveland Cavaliers team. Uh, by NFL standards, they're pretty normal, with exception they have one of the greatest players of all time. So they knew they would be very challenged. And to be able to go to Golden State and win the, the opener of the playoffs would be massive momentum. I mean, it would be crazy. And if you remember, there's just a few seconds to go in the game. The game is tied, and Cleveland has the ball. They get fouled, and they're on the free throw line. There's like four seconds to go in the game, tied. Which, in the NBA... Or NFL, that's right where you want to be. You got a chance to win the game with time on the clock. It's right where you want to be. But unfortunately, one of the members, I don't remember his name. If you're, yeah, most sports people. So J.R. Smith 
who is on the line to rebound the ball, if I remember right, thinks that they are winning. But the bottom line is the game is tied. Okay, and the guy puts up the free throw. It comes off uh, the rim. J.R. Smith pulls down a perfect NBA rebound. Well, he didn't know it was tied. He thought they were ahead. So he, if you remember, he dribbles the ball away from the goal and burns what, you know, LeBron is wide open. They got a guy wide open in the corner. And instead of passing it or shooting it, clock expires. And they have to go into overtime, which is still okay. You're on the road against the number one team in the world. You're still in great shape. But if you watch the video, LeBron James gets so mad and so frustrated that he cannot even speak. He loses his mind. It, it looked like Coach Trimble at Christmas when I saw that first World Book. All right, I mean, as my grandma would say, you look like you got weaned on a pickle. I was just like, you know. And he was, LeBron lost his mind. At the time when his teammates needed him most, because, I mean, let's face it, he's the catalyst. I mean, he's the... He's the heartbeat of that team. At the time when they needed him the most, he's having a pity party. He is so mad. And, and granted, as a professional athlete, that was a bonehead move. You, I mean, you always need to know the situation in the game. It was a bad mistake for a professional. But they're still tied. They're still in the game. They still have a chance to win. But LeBron's having none of it. If you watch the whole entire two-minute segment, during the timeout, they didn't leave for a commercial. LeBron goes to the bench, puts a towel on his head, and stares at the ground. While the rest of his teammates are, are over there high-fiving their buddy, going, hey, I know you blew it, but hey, we got to have you. They lost it. I mean, it was over. You could see the air just going out of them, okay? And uh, I just thought, you know, and I, I, you can tell I played a lot of NBA. I don't know much about basketball, but I know if I have LeBron on my team, I'm probably pretty good. But it takes more than talent. It, it takes, uh, it takes um, a desire. So this is what my, one of my young coaches says. You know, LeBron is the MVP. He is the most valuable player. But LeBron needs to learn to be M, uh, MPV, make people valuable. And I thought, you know, that is so huge. If you go back a couple other years, um, when the uh, New England Patriots were playing the Falcons in the Super Bowl, uh, Falcons were on a crazy year. Offensively, they broke every record. They were unstoppable. Um, New England's got to come out and get some momentum early. They're driving in for the opening score, and their young tailback, uh, second-year guy named Blunt, fumbles the ball on a third and two. And uh, in the NFL, if you if you go minus if you go minus one in turnovers, there's a 20% chance you're going to lose the game. Turnovers are big in the NFL. So he fumbles, and the first thing Tom Brady does, and this he's mic'd up, he walks right over to him, he pats him on the helmet, and he goes, hey, youngin', we're going to be okay. Keep plugging, we're going to be good. So what that did is when this veteran, the guy that will be in the Hall of Fame, went over and told this rookie who just is, is about to cry because he's let everybody down, is he inflated him. He made him valuable. So go figure um, the next offensive series, Tom Brady drops back and throws an interception. The guy catches it, runs it all the way in. They're down 23 to 7 or something. I mean, they're in bad shape until the team goes to Tom Brady. Hey, we're going to win this thing. We're okay. There was no pity party. There was no towel over their head. They're just sitting there 
with confidence knowing that if we do what we're supposed to do, we're going to win. Long story short, one of the biggest comebacks in NFL Super Bowl history. And New England wins. So I just bring that story up, and it's a long story, but I bring that story up in our environment um, as, as leaders of our business, as catalysts, hopefully to the people that are around us. How are we making people valuable? Um, it, it's, it, can, it can be very simple to make people valuable, but I think first and foremost, we have to be uh, deliberate. We have, to, we have to understand that that's part of our role. Uh, wherever you're at on the pecking order, wherever you're at on the totem pole, certainly if you're on the top of it, it trickles down rapidly. But anywhere, anywhere you're at, you can be a positive impact to people, and it's so, so important. Um, so on top of making people valuable, I think I would go now to the... Uh, to the scoreboard story, okay? Um, I loved your introduction. You guys are talking about helping people, making an impact in your community, um, all kinds of things that you guys have got going on. Well, I want to just encourage you, uh, you know, there are a number of scriptures in the Bible that say, you know, in this world, there will be trouble. You're, you're, it doesn't say if, it actually says when. So problems are going to come. I mean, uh, in my sport of football, there's 22 guys out there. There is never one play where something doesn't fly completely apart. I mean, it, it never happens the way you plan. Uh, I think that maybe good planning helps you eliminate some of them. But as you guys know, there's always going to be challenges. There's going to be different things. So it's very important that you um, expect problems and that you are prepared to handle problems. Don't let problems be a surprise. Let problems be a challenge that unifies you, that brings you together, that allows you to demonstrate those characteristics that you've already practiced. You've already written them on a piece of paper somewhere, right? We talked about our, found, you know, our principles of our company. We all have them, or you're not going to be very good, by the way. But if you have them, when those problems arise, it's going to give you an opportunity to lean on what you really believe. And I think that's so important. Our four pillars in Jinx football, not very complex. Faith, family, academics, and football. And we've always done it. And I probably stole that from somebody. I don't think I came up with that on my own. Football coaches are notorious from borrowing plays that work. So I probably borrowed those too. But, um, so for me, with regard to uh, as, a young, as a young head coach, 1996, uh, and I do remember the school board telling me, hey, Coach Trimble, congratulations being our new head coach. We're behind you, win or tie. And uh, I'm going... And I thought, I was waiting on him to laugh. You know, I thought, oh, this is a joke. Uh, there, nobody cracked a smile. Uh, so they were really, you know, coming in, they were really interested in success. Um, but, you know, you're, here's the thing. What, whatever walk of, whatever path we're on, whether we're, you know, in corporation, whether we're private business, whether we're whatever line of work we're in, I, I, this is my belief. I, I believe that um, our, our fuel tank will never be filled with anything that is produced from this world. Uh, you know, Paul tells us that we are, we're journeymen, we're aliens on this earth. And it's so easy as a young coach or maybe a business person who's under pressure. And you can, you know, I am not a business person. You would not have to interview me very long to... I've never made any money, and what money I have, I blow on stuff I don't need. But, um, but you'll never get your tank full 
with quarterly sales. Okay, now you might make your boss happy, you might make your investors happy, and uh, you know, but if, if you're banking on satisfa pure satisfaction from money or bounty or whatever it is, you're gonna be working a lot to try to keep your tank full. You've got to be able to go home and lay down at night and know that you are working for a higher power. For me, that's, I mean, it's trying to please God, right? I mean, you have to know that. And that the idea that you can, through your business, your company, through your family, you can honor God through your actions is, is a very important component of success. It's, it's the scoreboard. It's the, it's the goggles that you should look through uh, to judge if you're being successful or not. Because let's face it, uh, if I depend on 22 teenage boys to make sure that I sleep well at night, can you imagine? There would not be a lot of rest, right? I mean, there's not a lot of rest. Uh, it's, it's a hard, you know, it, it's a, my sport, it's like, even, even like some of the parents, they all will tell you, you know, Coach Trimble, I want you to play the 21 best guys and my son. That's how, if you, if you don't mind, I would like for you to play the 21 best players and then play my kid no matter what. And that's just how, I mean, that's just, that's my line of work. I'm dealing with someone's cherub. Their most valuable thing in their life is their kids. And here I have, I have the huge responsibility to try to teach them to evaluate their life and their success through the right scoreboard. Um, and it's so easy. It's so easy to get caught up in my neighbor's new boat. It's easy to get caught up in, you know, well, my marriage is this, or my marriage, and his marriage is so much better than my marriage, or, you know, her wedding ring is bigger than my wedding ring, or my bass boat will go faster than his bass boat. And we get caught up in all this nonsense, all this smoke, when the bottom line is we need to be running a completely different race. Um, and if we honor God with our efforts, we honor God with our possessions, we honor God with our, uh, our company's success, we can go home at night, and, and it's, um, it gives us solitude. It gives us comfort. Um, and I believe it will also give you success. We read in the Bible so many times that if we are cheerful givers and we approach life with a great attitude, even when hard times come, we will receive joy, happiness, comfort. Anybody ever been there? Is everybody's life just like smooth sailing? I just wonder. Mine is, I've had a few chops on the water lately. Um, so can we have a show of hands? How many of you, can, can you raise your hand? And this is not church, by the way. How many people's lives are perfect right now? Come on, somebody be brave enough. Because yesterday at Sunday school, I asked everybody how you're doing. Everybody said, we're great. We're awesome. I mean, that's church, right? Nobody tells the truth. <laughs> so if you haven't noticed, I really like to be open. Um, and that's one reason um, my wife and I have chosen to uh, be pretty public with my disease, all right? Um, and it's very challenging. In fact, last, uh, this last late June was my third year anniversary of being diagnosed. Uh, I was hard-headed enough that I probably walked around with it for maybe two years before that, I would say. Had some weird symptoms and in typical football fashion, just rub some dirt on them and keep going, right? Uh, all kinds of surgeries, tests, couldn't figure it out, you know, and uh, 
So three years ago, I get, um, it's a rough story. It's still tough for me to tell, but go to a couple of different neurologists, a couple of different doctors. Anybody ever had an EMG where they stick all the needles and shock all your nerves? Those are, that's, one of, that's an awesome experience. It's like getting encyclopedias for Christmas, only it hurts worse. <laughs> all right, it, only it hurts worse. So anyway, they finally, uh, I think the last neurologist I saw, he didn't have the courage to tell me. He goes, I think you need to go see a friend of mine in Oklahoma City. So my wife and I were in this doctor's office, and we're filling out the paperwork so we can give them some more money. And um, I'm looking around, and every poster in the office there's somebody sitting in a wheelchair. And, you know, I've had a lot of concussions. I, I don't work for Scotland Yard. But I'm going, you know, uh, this doesn't look that good. Um, so finally, another EMG. We come back a week later. Uh, Coach, you got, you got ALS. It's not good. Um, it, you know, it bats a 1,000. It's undefeated. It's like playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It's going to be hard to beat. Uh, just a heartbreaker for me. My wife, I don't think, really knew what it was about. I mean, she knew it was a big deal, but, you know, knowing Lou Gehrig and, and all the history of those different people, uh, it was rough. Um, so they hand you this big, nice notebook. It says, Living with ALS. It's got a picture of a guy in a wheelchair on the front of it. First chapter, call an attorney and make sure your estate's in order. That's fine. Second chapter, call your family together and tell them you're going to die. I mean, it's just, it wasn't, it wasn't, encyclopedias were better than that, you know? <laughs> Um, it was better than that. So, and then they let you go home for a week and think about it. You know, they don't want to throw it all on at the same time. So long story short, that first couple of months, it was, it was awful. Just like anything. It's just like when you suffer a hard time in your family. You, you know, I mean, it, I'm no different than anybody else. But in those times that we all will have, you know, quarterly sales will be down or somebody that competes with you will get a better idea and get a break on you or you know, I'm trying to talk business. I know nothing about it. But, uh, but there'll be situations where you have to look yourself in the mirror and go, golly, this is, this is rough. This is hard. So what do you lean on when, those, when that happens? Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So what do you lean on? Do you lean on money? Do you lean on things? No. I mean, the first thing I would do, is the first thing I did is just count on your faith. It's a thing that will never leave you. God's love will never leave you. Second thing, great friends. People who have common, a common thread of faith and a common thread of, of character that are there for you. Just to bounce things off of or just to sit next to you. You know? So as we're out here, you know, I would just encourage you as you guys are out here fighting it. You know, one thing, one thing being diagnosed with a terminal illness that helped me, there's a lot of things I used to lay awake at night and worry about. And, go, and that don't mean jack, if I could use football language. All right, it don't mean anything anymore. I used to sweat, you know, when to go for two and when to go for one, like it was, you know, the most important decision on the earth. There are so many things that we have our fingers in, and we sweat it, that don't mean a hill of beans. So I say that with all the encouragement. That number one priority that we have, faith, and number two, family, could I encourage you to lean on that no matter what your path of your business is going on? And then certainly, um, you know, in, in our business, the third pillar is academics. Uh, one high school football player out of 18,000 will go on and be a Division I football player. 
the odds would be way better to put your life savings on a roulette wheel and just try to spin it. Uh, so a lot of kids don't know that. So we really encourage our kids to make, put themselves in position to go to college, whether the sports work out or not. Um, and then football comes in fourth. Okay, and I know that sounds so, and, and I travel, I don't speak a lot on football anymore, but I travel all over the country. And when I would get up and say, hey, faith, family, academics, football, and they find out that football is fourth, you know, they all look at me like I've got a horn coming out of my head. What? what? Well, how can, you're a football coach, you've been pretty successful. How can you say football is fourth? Well, it is. Um, because being successful, winning a football game, bringing a group of people together in unity is a byproduct of a lot of other things that happen to, that have to happen way before you get out on the playing field. If your business doesn't have a culture of success, if your business doesn't have a culture of making people valuable, then chances are the bottom line is not going to reflect what you want it to reflect. And it takes a lot, it takes a lot of trust, and it takes a lot of, I mean, it's, I think, I think our philosophy at Jinx was very uncommon. Um, because while our children are looking at Twitter and societies, you know, telling them, hey, go get yours, go get yours, go, you know, go get your stats. Go, you know, go do this. Go do all of society messages for our youngsters, and maybe you guys, are all about selfish-driven, different kinds of things. It's very challenging to initiate a culture of putting other people ahead of yourself, a culture of serving people. Uh, so anyway, that's my scoreboard talk for you. Um, make sure you're looking through the right lenses as you go to work every day. And you can do business that way. The bottom line is, are you honoring God with what you do? Are you making people around you feel valued? And are you encouraging? Are you the catalyst? You have to be outreaching, I think. Um, finally, is there a time limit today? I don't even know. I don't have my watch. Uh, finally, uh, I'm blessed with a bunch of friends who encouraged me to start a foundation. Um, we've got that going pretty well. I wanted to just share with you uh, our first customer. Um, in fact, I see a couple of really dear friends here that took care of me in my IV lab for a long time. Um, um, and uh, I met this young lady uh, there at that doctor's office. But So our foundation is the Trimble Strong Foundation. Uh, our mission statement is transforming people through salt and light. And uh, so I met this young lady named Jennifer at the doctor's office. Uh, after a few months, she's very, very ill. Beautiful young lady. She has three kids of her own. She had adopted a young man named Sam from China while they were, her and her husband lived over there for a number of years. Um, so one day, we're up at the counter paying our bill at the same time, and I noticed that her last name, because she never told me her last name, and it's a very unique last name and a very unique spelling, and I said, Jennifer, I only know one person on earth that has your last name spelled that way, and his name is Brian. And he's from Edmond, and he played at Air Force Academy. She goes, Brian's my husband. I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Brian had spoken to my team before. Wonderful guy. So long story short, uh, their job brought them back to Tulsa from China. They had their three kids and Sam, their adopted child, that she met while working at an orphanage over there. Sam contracted some weird uh, aggressive form of leukemia, and he died uh, very quickly. He just 
They took him to St. Jude's. They couldn't save him. Really sad story. Uh, heartbreaking story of everything they went through to get Sam here. So after the funeral, I was visiting with uh, Brian and Jennifer. And Jennifer, if you know her, she's a wonderful, passionate kid. She goes, Coach, I think we're going to try to go back and get his sister, Mia. Um, so anyway, they are our first customer. We, our foundation was able to help with their transportation and some of their medical fees. And believe it or not, they are one week away from Mia uh, coming back to the States with them. Uh, so just a, a great story. But our foundation is just, uh, in fact, I would just encourage you, if you know any, any great stories that, of someone who needs something, uh, we contacted the Special Olympics softball coach in Claremore that, if you saw it on the news a couple of months ago, they got all their equipment stolen. Uh, and, you know, we're all over the place, but, uh, but we love to help people. And I just, uh, every chance that I get, I just encourage people. Uh, it's tremblestrong.org. Uh, we'd love to just have you as a teammate. Um, we, we just kind of like you guys. We like to network with great-hearted people. Sometimes we might need some money. Sometimes we might need to show up and serve food. We just have a lot of things going on. But we'd love for you to be a part uh, if you'd like to, tremblestone.org. I think I'll close there. Um, I don't know if we have enough time, but I would, if you all have a question or anything, I don't know if that's normal, but if you want to talk anything about teamwork, and there's no limits, ALS, foundation work. Yes, sir. Biggest comeback. Uh, I can easily tell you that one. Uh, Garrett Mills' senior year, Garrett played at the University of Tulsa. That would have been in 2000 at uh, Skelly Field back then. Uh, we were playing Union, of course. We were playing awful. I had, uh, we had got a punt blocked. We had turned the ball over. In the third quarter, we were down by 17 points. And uh, this is a whole other speech. I spent the whole second half writing down notes of how to gripe these guys out after the game when they beat us. Okay, that, that is a horrible attitude, but I'm going, you know what? I'm going to tear these guys up. We did not play well. We didn't, we didn't match their intensity. All the head coaching lingo I had already written down on my pad. And go figure, Garrett Mills makes an unbelievable catch. Uh, one of the kids I was so mad at actually recovered a fumble. We got a cheap touchdown. Um, long story short, we were down 17 twice in the second half, and we came back and won on the last play of the game. That's not the key one game. That's just... But uh, so I felt so guilty, the walk, the walk of shame to the locker room on behalf of myself. I'm going, you know, here I am. I'm the only guy out here that didn't believe in my guys. I'm just going, you know, every, everything I preached to these guys, I, I just threw away. So anyway, I, I do what I do. I went to the locker room and I apologized to them. Because sometimes an ugly, ugly victory is way better than a beautiful defeat. You know what I'm saying? And we'll take that every time, right? But anyway, good question. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And, you know, like I said, uh, uh, football is a great classroom. I mean, you learn a lot because momentum changes all the time. People get hurt. You have to replace them. Um, you get behind, and it's so easy to, to have a pity party and all that stuff. But, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, yes, sir. That's a good question because I was raised in Cleveland, Oklahoma, in the oil field, and uh, all my guys that I went to high school with worked in the oil field because you could make money. Of course, then they all went broke, and then 
we've we've all been rich and broke. Uh, but there were some points of life. My uh, my uh, points of light. My high school coach, uh, Ron Wolf, was the first guy I thought that I played for that motivated me and uh, not only motivated me but really was interested in making me a better person. Uh, I got to coach with a guy in Owasso named Larry Carricker that was the same way. He was a great coach, but more than that, he was a great mentor. He got the most out of me. Thank you, Tim. I, I appreciate you, too. I, I know you're one of those committed guys. Uh, you can be on my team any day, but I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, thank you so much. I think we'll wrap that up uh, so you guys can go back and try to make a living. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.